Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Morning, church. Bless you. What a great time of worship this morning, wasn't it? I'm so excited. I won't take too much time this morning because... I really just want to worship my Father in heaven again. I just want to just adore Him again. And for me, there's three things that manifest the presence of God. Adoration of Him, just adoring Him in worship. The reading of the Word of God and prayer. So I'm going to do the reading of the Word of God. And I pray, Almighty Father, you speak through this servant. <laughs> and may your Word come through with fire and change hearts, Lord. And Lord, as we leave, we leave, Lord, leaving every sin and bondage behind. And we walk out in freedom. We walk out in freedom. Free of sin. Free of bondage. But know that we are loved by you. We are loved by you. We walk out with a joy, Lord, an unspeakable joy. Leaving our bondage behind. Full of your spirit. But knowing what you did for us on that cross, oh mighty Lord. We praise your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife, have had been, my wife and I have had a funny week really. She said to me, why are you so brown? Do I look brown? I don't know. Do I look brown? We've had lots of rain. I don't know where I'm getting any tan from. She thinks I'm escaping to the gym having a sunbed or something. But there are no sunbeds in our gym. There's no spray tan or anything. I just said to her, it's the radiance. It's the radiance. The Bible says those who look on the Lord will be radiant. So who's radiant this morning? I see lots of radiant faces. And Toy says when we live our lives, who are we touching? Who are we looking for? And this week I was in London with a looking at a job at a church in London, North London. And I took the site manager for a coffee. And uh, he said, I don't know what's going on. I just sat there and ordered this coffee. And then people were just, I'll be, I'm, not, I'm not boasting, okay? I'm boasting the Lord Jesus Christ only. Okay, I need boasting the Lord Jesus. But people were drawing to the table. And they were talking, they were offering things for me. And, and, and then the site manager says, what are you doing? Why are you attracting all these people? I said, it's the radiance. <laughs> it's the suntan. No, it's the, it's the radiance. I said, it's the peace of God. He knows I'm a Christian, so I just gave him it again. It's the peace of God. It passes all understanding. I don't know what people do, but I, and I was praying for people in the cafe in London. It's what God does. It's, I don't know what it is. I'm a, I'm, I want more. I want more of him. I want to ooze him. I want to walk in the streets and people be healed in my shadow. Why not? I've seen it before. It happens today. It happens today in, in Leisure Park, Cambridge. I witnessed it myself. Someone's healed in the shadow of a, a brother of ours. It happens today. We can ooze Jesus. The more of we get in, in our spirit, in our soul, the more we desire our Father in heaven. We just desire him above all things. The rest just falls into place. It's so good to see you, Kylie. God bless you. Welcome back. Nice to see you. I just spotted a dear sister who's been away for a while. How you been? 
Oh, sorry, I've still got lifted. God bless you. So nice to see a cheery face in the congregation. Not the others aren't cheery, but it's just so... <laughs> I haven't seen you for a while. And you're always just so beautiful and smiling. It's nice to see you. God bless you. Welcome. Pardon? Keisha, of course. That's it. Keisha, Kylie. So memorable. I remember the K of the word. Bless you. So nice to see you, though. Good stuff. Let's turn to the word of God in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Hallelujah. Praise God. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You can imagine that, Jesus, knowing what they're saying. And he goes, yes, I do. (laughs) I've come to be with these people. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 the righteous people who do not need to repent. Praise God. Hallelujah. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you repented with all your heart, the angels rejoiced over you. What a glorious truth that is. It's mind-blowing. It takes my breath away to think that when I finally surrendered my heart to Jesus, there was angels celebrating over me. Let that truth sink in. When you gave your life, you haven't given your life to Jesus today, and you haven't surrendered your life. Today could be the day the angels are singing over you. Now here in this story, we, we read of a sheep being lost and some coins being lost. Now, we've all lost something in life. If you lose your wallet, keys, and phone, you've lost those things over time. We've all lost them. And um, we panic. Don't we? When we lose things of value like that, we panic. We do all we can to find them. For most teenagers, just to lose Wi-Fi is a crisis, you know. <laughs> oh, I've lost Wi-Fi. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I found it again. Oh, glory to, glory to God. <laughs> Wi-Fi is returned. We lose things. We panic. And, but the relief is huge when we find them. You know, when I lost my wallet in the bus, it, it slipped out of my pocket. And uh, it was in the lost property at the bus station. But I was there cancelling the cards. And, uh, but it was returned. They found it and I went and collected it. That's a relief, isn't it? It's a relief. But when, a, when one of your children loses something, you feel it for them, don't you? My oldest son is here today, and my days he's lost a lot of things over time. 
But he's found his way to the front row today. <laughs> Bless him. I'm in the middle of a scaffold in London. I get a text message. Dad, I've lost my keys on a bus. And I think, what can I do? I'm on a scaffold in London. But it's so something deep inside. When your child loses something, it's, you feel it for them. I remember they lost some gloves one night. Just a glove. And... And I thought, where's that glove gone? I remembered it was outside Raven's house down in, near McDonald's. So I went back there, and there it was on the road. Where he got out to get in the car, it fell on the road. I went and got it. I rejoiced. I wanted to celebrate. Rejoice with me. I found the glove. And Nick, he loses his keys, don't you, sweetheart? Oh, dear. Lost his key. And I have to sit in that car park of a road called the A14, going to the lost property. Do you know the stagecoach lost property area? You have to go up there. But you find the keys, and I give him back, and he goes, and he's rejoicing. He goes, oh, that means so much. You do anything for your children, right? You lose them. They love you. You love them so much. And I love you. That's why I do it for you. I love you. And I love the other one who's coming this afternoon, God willing. And I'll embarrass him. Actually, I'm not preaching this afternoon, but I encourage you to stay all day. Because there's a different, different preacher this afternoon who's going to preach with fire and authority. And I encourage, I'm not going to tell you who it is, because you, 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 I want you to come and find out. I'm staying all day. It's going to be a great day in the house of God, so come along. So in this story, a shepherd lost his sheep, and a woman lost her coin. But what they both did was they took action to find what was missing. They didn't hang around, oh, we just let that go, we just let that sheep, we've got 99 other sheep, we'll leave that one. But the woman in the story, she lost her coin. These coins meant a great value to them in them days. A lot of money, the wages to them. And the houses in them days where she was looking for the coin, was a, it's dark houses, no windows really. An earth-covered floor, so the, the coin would have been embedded. But what she did, she lit a candle. She swept it and swept it and swept it. She took action. She found it. So when we lose things, we take action. We go and look for them. We go onto a car park A14 to find the keys. We go, <laughs> you know, we, we, we take action. Just like our Father in heaven. He didn't hang around seeing that his children are lost in the world. He took action. He didn't hang around letting the world just drift off into sin and, and, and be lost forever. He took action. He made a way possible for us to come back to him. The father, he took action. And when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the leaders here, and the other sinners and the tax collectors in this group, the leaders of the Israelites, the Pharisees, the teachers, they should be well aware of the analogy of the sheep and the shepherd story. Because through the Old Testament, God is always referring to Israel, his people as the flock, the sheep. And the, lead, and the elders and the Pharisees as the shepherds of the flock of his people. It's throughout the Old Testament, the analogy, you'll read it. The Lord is my shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel to rebuke Israel. And especially the teachers and the lawgivers. God is saying to them, Ezekiel 34, 1. This is God speaking through Ezekiel 
to the Israelites. The word of God came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Shouldn't you leaders be looking after the people of Israel? Shouldn't you? Next verse. You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. They're looking after themselves. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have, brought back the, you have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. And verse 11 to 12. My sheep wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. For this is what the sovereign law says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. This is God speaking now to the people. 570 approximate years before Jesus. And as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered and on a day of clouds and darkness. I will, says God. But God is spirit. How can God come physically and look after the scattered people of Israel, the sheep? In the man of Jesus, by his spirit, he came into the womb of a woman to be born in the name of Jesus Christ. He is now God in flesh. And as Jesus is speaking this parable to them, he is God. I am now that shepherd. I am now the shepherd. I am the one who's come for them. Because God confirms it in Ezekiel 34, 23 to 24. Ezekiel 34, 24. 3.24, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. From the line of David, the Messiah is going to come, my servant. And he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, Jesus Christ, will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Hallelujah. It's been prophesied. He's sending the one. Jesus has been sent to look after and tend to rescue the lost sheep. Hallelujah. I thank God for that's great news today because I was so lost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I've got three very short points, I promise, because I want to start worshipping again. I want to see what God wants to do to every person in this room today. I want to worship and praise him. So the first point is wandering off, I've called it. Wandering off. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Every single one of us. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We've all, like sheep, gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The songs this morning are perfect this morning. We go off. We go off. We're just facing, a, taking our own dreams, just facing, just going with the flow. I 
We submit to parental rule for a while, but then the children go off and make their own decisions. And my children are now in their 20s, both of them, and you don't see them much anymore. <laughs> they go off and make their own decisions. You pray for them. You pray for them that they remain close to the Lord. But in our natural heart, we follow our own desires. We start to follow our own desires. We're all proud. We're all self-willed. Our fallen human state, following the desires of the flesh. We all go that way. There's a saying, isn't it? Follow your heart. Just follow your heart. What shall I do? I'll just follow your heart. You'll be all right. Follow your heart. But the heart can deceive you. The heart can deceive you. Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So if we follow our heart, where is it leading us to? It leads us to the things of the world. We follow the influences around us. We're modelled by the influences around us completely and utterly. And as a child, that's, that's what you look at and that's what you see. But as you look back, in, and God has shown me this many times over my whole life, where his hand actually was upon me in certain points of my childhood. It's amazing, really. I remember asking the big, deep questions to my parents, saying, why are we here? How do we get here? And uh, the answer was, big bang, I think. Big bang. I don't know. What religion are we? We're English, Church of England. That was it. They're this kind of, at least I was asking the questions, but I didn't, I think the answers weren't satisfying, though. And um, I remember a minister from a Baptist church who came to our house visiting you know, the local area and things. And uh, he was talking to my mum and dad in the kitchen once, trying to encourage them to come to church. And I was like a young boy standing by the side of the door, listening to him. And I was sold. Oh, I was got. And, and my mum said, no, no, it's not for us. It's not for us. And I said, I'll go. <laughs> I came out from the door and said, I'll go. And he looked at me and goes, he wants to go. <laughs> he did. So I went for about two or three weeks. But again, I didn't have anyone encouraging me still to encourage me in my walk. I didn't have that influence around me to, to maintain that. I went with a friend up the road for a few weeks. Then there was the Gideon's Bible at school. You got those little red Bibles given out at school. And you, I was read that religiously for a couple of weeks, ticking the, the reading plan. But again, that drifts. And then you just get along the crowd and you just drift through life. And then you... Follow your heart's desires. And my heart desire was arsenal. Come on. What a waste of time that is. <laughs> Still haven't won the European Cup. Right. What a waste of time. There was highs and lows and highs and lows. One minute you're, it satisfies you for a moment, you see. 1989 when they won that title at Anfield. It was, it was amazing. 24 hours I was drunk on the pavement. Three months later, they were losing their first game of the next season. I thought, what is all this about? What is all this about? They win a cup in May one year. Next May, they lose the cup. What is it all about? It doesn't satisfy. And all this was coming through my spirit all the time. I was thinking all these questions all the time. 
winning that title. And I thought, I want to maintain this glory. I want to maintain this high. I've got to keep maintaining this high. We came back to Cambridge after that amazing victory. But no one was talking about it. Don't you know what happened last night? They won. No. I didn't watch it. No one. Maybe support Liverpool. They win the European Cup, you know. Good luck to him. Jurgen Klopp, God bless him. Come on. Hallelujah. But we all go astray. We all follow our heart's desires and we spend our money and our resources on these things. We do. After these first two stories that Jesus is speaking about, the lost sheep and the lost coin, he goes into a very famous story about the prodigal son, the lost son. There are actually two sons. And um, talking about the younger son, he, he goes to his father, doesn't he? In Luke 15, verse 11. He's with a good, good father. He goes, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance. Didn't even wait till he died. Give me my share of the inheritance. I want to leave. And the good father goes, okay, son. Splits the inheritance, gives this to his son. And off he goes and spends it. The good father did not withhold the wealth. Every single person on this planet has the resources God has given us. Are we using them for his glory or ours or our selfish means? The water, the food, the fruit, the vegetables. We produce it at such alarming rates, the fruit and vegetables, that the wonky cucumbers aren't allowed in Tesco's and the funny shaped bananas can't be sold anywhere else. It's all for what? For profit. It's greed. The natural resources, the oil, it's all, it's wars over the stuff. For man's greed. God has given us our wealth. He has given us our uh, blessings, hasn't he? He's given it to us. But we've misused it. We've abused it. For selfish gains and selfish lusts of the flesh. Luke fifteen eleven. Jesus says there was a man of two sons. The younger one. Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property. And not long after that the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. Wild living. Money on drink and prostitutes and just spent it all spent it all but then he woke up didn't he the prodigal son he he realized what he'd done there's a moment you see you come into your life sometimes where you ask the big question where am i going with this what what have i got you wake up and you think well how have i found myself here they call it midlife crisis, don't they? I won't show her hands who's got midlife crisis. Jesus is all you need. There's no such thing as midlife crisis with Jesus. He gives you everything. Hallelujah. But you do, you wake up and you realise, what am I doing? Nothing satisfies. For me, Arsenal didn't satisfy a long time ago. And then I tried other things. I was copying the world. I thought it was cool to, to gallivant around London in the city and do a high-powered job and go to bars and wine bars and all this stuff. What a waste of time. 
didn't satisfy. Doesn't satisfy. And then you look at what God's given you and what am I doing? And there was a moment when I'd lost, I was in my pigsty moment because the prodigal son, he came to his senses in the pigsty. In this story, he says, um, he came to his senses in Luke 14, uh, 15 verses 14 to 17. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He realized what a good, good father he had. He realized what a good, good father he had. He came to his senses. It's all right coming to our senses, but we need to respond. We can't just stay in our senses thinking, this is not right, is it? And then drift and carry, drifting through. I had everything in my dad's house. I had everything with my father. Here I am. Here I am. He was lost. And I had that moment on my, in a cemetery with my, on my nana's grave. I was so depressed. So depressed. I got on my knees. I was speaking to the tombstones of my nana. <laughs> I got, what am I here for, man? It's my life's, what am I living for? What is the purpose? Nothing is satisfying me. Where is, there's a vacant gun in my heart. What is it? And I said, you really real, God? Yeah, you show me you're real. That's a good prayer. <laughs> That's a good prayer. Because in the Bible, it's throughout saying, call out to me and I will draw near. I hear the cry of the righteous, it says. I hear the cry of the righteous. And I wasn't righteous at that time. But the heart pleased God. There was a brokenness in my heart. And that is when I cried out. Now I became righteous because he knew that there was a a young man of God waiting because his heart is broken. He cried out. And he started to move things and shift things into my path. Because it still required free will. The prodigal son still had to leave the pigsty. I still had to get up and follow what God was putting in front of me. We still have to follow. But maybe it's not a pigsty moment. We wake up usually in poverty or in in dire straits of illness and drug overdose or alcohol abuse. But you can be in your pigsty with wealth around you. You could be surrounded with the riches of the world. But still be in your pigsty. I know many rich people who have committed suicide. But they have everything. Beautiful wife, gorgeous husband, kids, wealth, cars lined up outside. But they take their life. Why? There's a hole in their heart. Only the presence of the Father of heaven can feel it. Wealth cannot feel it. If you're poor and you're in poverty, don't seek wealth of the material things because that will end the same way. You need the presence of God. 
You need that pig star moment that says, I have sinned against heaven and you, Father. I am coming home. That's what it needs. And I was out and about the other day and I was in a queue for some coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. And a woman in the queue says, um, you know what? I believe church is calling you back. She goes, I don't do church. I did church all my life. I don't go to church anymore. She goes, well, God is calling the lost. And she looks at me and she goes, I'm not lost. We was in a gym down in North London somewhere. And all that matters to them was that the spa would be reopened soon. And the jacuzzi would be open again. That's what it matters to some people. It's a big deal. Our focus is on the wrong things. Isn't that right? We're focused on the wrong things. Material things. And our gym's going through a refurb now. And the people go, how are we going to manage all this disruption? Tranquilo. It's just a gym. It's just a spa. But when they burst through to the swimming pool area, the swimming pool will be out of action for two weeks. Go to Jesus Green. Relax. What people are thinking of? But my mem- I need some re- recompense on my membership if that's all disrupted. That's just what people do. We don't realize. Hallelujah. Oh, Krabrada Sakanama. See, when you follow the heart of your own heart and you turn away from God's heart, God says this in Jeremiah 17, 5 to 6. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 6. Let's read this. This is the words of God through the prophet Jeremiah. Tell you, these prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. Read. These are the words of God through the prophets. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, And whose heart turns away from the Lord. Verse 6. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He won't need to see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert. In a salt land where no one lives. There's a pigsty moment. Wastelands. Not producing no prosperity. Pigsty moment. Turn your heart back to God. Turn your heart back to God. The Father with his arms open wide, ready to receive. It's a beautiful thing, the presence of God. I don't need material wealth. I don't need prosperity as the world gives. I need prosperity what God gives. And I'll be honest, what a joy it is when you can go to work and people are attracted to what's in you. It's Jesus. It is Jesus. I love it. I love it. And I boast in the Lord. I want to encourage you in this. The more you immerse yourself with him and in his presence, in the Father's presence, it just it, it saturates you. Be saturated. Saturami, Senor Consufuego. Saturami. That's Spanish. Is it a Spanish service? So be to a Spaniel. Come on. Saturate me with your presence. Hallelujah. I was in the Toyota garage, and I had my little blue Bible out, and I was just waiting for the car, which took a long time, and I was reading and reading, and the, the reception came up, oh, is that a Bible? I said, yes, it's a Bible. She goes, oh, you don't see many people reading that nowadays, do you? I said, no, unfortunately, probably not. So I 
I thank God I take it on my, I have a real Bible. Because if I had it on my phone, the conversation would not have ever happened. Is that true? If I'd have blended in with all the other people waiting for their cars on their phones, the conversation would never have happened. It's because I had a physical Bible. It's only a small one, pocket Bible. But it got conversation going. And she's, a, she's read the Bible many times. And she's searching. And I said, I just gave her the gospel simply, people overhearing. But it created an opportunity. Hallelujah. She goes, can you come back and give a sermon to the salesman upstairs? That's what she said. <laughs> to the car salesman. <laughs> I thought, yeah, come on. Honesty. I said, the world's broken. Yeah, well, come and give the salesman a pitch upstairs. <laughs> That's what she said. Hallelujah. We need to be a witness to people. And a couple of weeks ago, we were at Strawberry Fair. This new age kind of fair in Cambridge. And Joe brilliantly organized a small team to go. And uh, what a day that was. That's probably where I got my suntan from. It's so hot. And uh, we were there for a long while. And I just want to commend Joe actually, for what she does. And I believe God has given me a word for Joe to say that the shepherd looks for the lost, the broken. And because it's such a heartbeat of yours, he is proud of you. That you are his shepherd, looking for the lost. And I just want to bless you, Joe, for that. And I feel that God saying, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you that you're like my shepherd just going for the lost. It breaks your heart to see those who are broken at the Strawberry Fair. It broke your heart. And he sees that heart of yours. And he is so proud of you. He is so proud of you. But do not forget, come onto my knee. I saw a picture of him with you just embracing your father. And he's so proud of you. He kissed you. And he says, I'm proud of you, my daughter. Do not lose this love, this intimacy with me. Just, but I'm so proud of what you are doing. Bless you, he says. He is so proud of you, Joe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Strawberry Fair, masquerading as a peace and love event. I didn't see much peace and love. Not what God sees anyway. Tarot card readings, witchcraft, idolatry, all on display fragrantly. 16 pounds for a tarot card reading about your future. Come to me, I'll give you a word for free. Unbelievable. 16 pounds for some tarot card. 15 minutes, they said, to give you a tarot card. I didn't go in. I was praying around outside the tent. Midsummer common. Must have been tens and tens of thousands of people. Must have been. And I just saw a sea of sin. Sodden. The ground of my city where I was born. Covered in this sin. People just lost. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands who were lost. Middle-aged women, dressing like young girls, drunk, swearing profusely. Men just cavorting and drinking and so much alcohol everywhere. People being carried off by paramedics, drunk and overcome by heat exposure. It was just sin. And I heard some people walk through saying, oh, there's a good atmosphere here, isn't there? (laughs) A good atmosphere. Well, there was a good atmosphere when the Israelites rejected God and Moses on the mountain and built a calf and had a party. 
If you walked in there, you thought, oh, this is a nice atmosphere, isn't it? Celebrating and dancing and drinking. Immorality, it said. They committed the immorality. While God and Moses are at the mountain, they came, what are you doing? Don't you know you're in sin? It's a good atmosphere. Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled. The reality of God's word is repent and believe. Simple message. You've got to repent with all your heart and believe. Somebody once said to me, a couple of people have asked the same question. It must be a theme going on at the moment. Can't you just be a Christian, be a Christian? Or do you have to be broken hearted to be a Christian? You've got to be broken You've got to realize you need a savior. You've got to realize that your heart is not good enough. You've got to repent from everything you've done and come to the Lord. You've got to come and bend the knee at the altar. You've got to cry out to God that you need a savior. That's the message of the gospel. There's no time to preach messages which tickle the ears and make people please seek a friendly church anymore. We've got to preach the gospel. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You've got to repent with all your hearts. You've got to repent. And come running to the Father's arms. It's a broken heart that pleases God. King David says a broken spirit and heart is not what you desire, Lord. It's full of the Bible. I've read it earlier, Psalm 147, 13. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is the theme of God in the Bible. He's seeking to heal the broken people. He's seeking to heal every one of us. Psalm 34, 17 to 18. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. Oh, thank you, Father, you heard my cry. He heard my cry that day. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you close to the Lord today? Are you close to the Lord today? I don't hear the voice of God. I don't hear God. Are you crushed? Are you broken hearted? Because this is what the Lord requires. Jesus didn't die on a cross for a flimsy prayer at the end. And that's what I did in the beginning. When I became a Christian, well, when I first thought I became a Christian. God bless him, I don't know who he was. But he says, that's very simple, you know. Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. You're in heaven. I thought, that's easy. So I said that prayer. There wasn't a moment or anything. A a seed may have been sown, but it wasn't like a... I didn't cry. I didn't repent of any of my sin in deep way. But this is what Lord's requiring, isn't he? He's requiring a broken heart and spirit. He wants tears. He wants me to come on my knees and say, God, I am sorry. I'm a repentant, Lord. I need to repent of everything I've done. I'm so far from you. I need you. I need your spirit in me, God. Forgive me everything I've done. You've got to come on your knees before him. This is what God requires. Hallelujah. Isaiah 57, 15. If you want to know where you're going to go one day, this is where it says. God says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly 
and to revive the heart of the contrite. Hallelujah. That's reassurance, isn't it? He loves a broken heart. He restores it. He restores it, repairs it, and you are loved again by a loving Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the story of the prodigal son, when the young man realized, when he realized what he had done, he says, I have sinned against my father and I've sinned against heaven. He, he had his rehearsal speech ready. But when he first said it, in the pigsty, I have sinned against my father. I've sinned against heaven. I'm going to go home and I'm going to, I'm going to make it up to him. It was that moment because it was a heartfelt cry when he called that prayer. Already the father was waiting for him. He's coming home. My son is coming home. And as the son rushed up to him, he said, Father, forgive me. I've sinned against heaven. It's done. Let's have a party. You're home, son. You're home, son. Quick, put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put the best shoes on him. You are home. He came home. The rejoicing, you see. When a sinner repents and gives his heart to God and cries out to him with a genuine heart. Genuine cry. The Father is waiting. And there's rejoicing in heaven. Jesus says in the parable of the lost sheep, and of the coin. Luke 15, 7. I tell you in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Hallelujah. Luke 15, 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Thank you, Father. Repent, be saved with a humble and broken heart. Hallelujah. Well, praise your name, Jesus. And it's through Jesus, our shepherd enables us to go home. It is through Jesus Christ alone that you are enabled to go home. Hallelujah. In the story of the lost sheep, Jesus describes what the shepherd does when he finds the sheep. Now, the sheep has wandered off. Filthy, filthy old sheep, stubborn old sheep. I don't know how stubborn sheep are. A bit stupid, maybe. But he's looking for the sheep. You can imagine the shepherd looking for the sheep. Where are you? Bah, bah, where are you? Bah, bah. He's looking and he finds the sheep. And he says he puts the sheep on his shoulders. How, how easy is it to pick up a sheep? I don't know. I've never tried it. I don't want to. Right? <laughs> So he's picked up the sheep and he joyfully put it on his shoulders. And he walks home rejoicing. Now, if I had a sheep on my back now, standing up like that, the sheep would come off, wouldn't it? Because it must be a heavy old thing. It must be a heavy old sheep. And he's put it on his shoulders. But he must have been like that, wasn't he? Walking like this, carrying the sheep home. Carrying the sheep. He's carrying the sheep. Joyfully. Come on, friends. Rejoice with me. I brought my sheep. I brought my sheep. But it's not all that Jesus carried as a shepherd. In the same position he would have carried the crossbar of a cross. 
He would have carried the crossbar of the cross. And we know that he was so weak, beaten, bruised, dying. He was unable to take the cross for so far and Simon of Cyrene had to carry it. And as Jesus was there, he placed the cross back onto his back, bleeding back. And he's carrying it. He's carrying that bar on his shoulders. Joyfully? Was he carrying it joyfully? Hebrews 12, 2. Let's read this. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured it. He endured that cross in this position. Because the joy that was set before him was you and you returning home to the Father. I'm doing it for my son. I'm doing it for my daughter. I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for them. That's what it's for. He did it for them for the joy set before him. I love what Jesus says here in Luke 15, 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Did he joyfully put that cross on his shoulders? Did make us go home? He made us go home by putting that cross on his shoulders. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, we love you, we love you, we love you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And as you go home, the promise of God is when you enter, if when you go home, the Father kissed the Son. He kissed the Son. Welcome home, you're back home. Let's kill the fattened calf and let's celebrate. There's rejoicing in heaven because what Jesus went through to carry you home. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.